There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brooke Desha and the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. And the Flyers are 3 1 0. They rebounded from their 6 1 loss to the Sabres with a 3 0 shutout with 40 saves from Brian Elliott, a very, very good response from the Flyers. And overall, so far, so good. There are concerns. But a lot of positive, positives for the Flyers to start. Brooke Desher, if you had to pick who's been the best player for the Flyers, and there's a good, I think, a good number of selections at our hands here, best player for the Flyers through four games, who would it be for you? I mean, first thing that comes to mind is the guy that's tied for the most points and goals in the league, a.k.a. Travis Konechny. No. Um, I feel like he's been doing that, even with the hat trick. I feel like he's been quietly very good this season not in terms of Philly fans obviously know how good he is but I feel like media really hasn't been like outside of Philly have been discussing him as much as they've been you know like Jack Hughes after his huge game last night um so that that's pretty exciting that we have a top caliber player right now points wise um And then I just wanted to shout out Brian Elliott because this is the reason why I wanted them to re-sign him because if there's – like you expect – you expected him to play in the condensed season. You didn't really anticipate him to have his first start be a 40-save shutout game. So, I mean, way to set the bar. And everyone's like, oh, my God, there's there's goal – there's goaltending controversy now. Like, no (laughs) – It's not. It's just we have a great (laughs) starter, and it's great because if Carter Hart is struggling, which is bound to happen because he's so young, you know Brian Elliott can come in and kind of level the playing field again. And he did just that in last night's win. So really awesome, really awesome stuff. We've spoken a lot about the importance of Brian Elliott and how valuable he is to the Flyers and and, and Tuesday night's victory over the Sabres for the Flyers, that was really case in point. That was a prime example of what he can do when a team gives up six goals the night before. Carter Hart is scheduled for his, his off game, and Brian Elliott comes in there and pitches a 40-save shutout. That, that is Brian Elliott to a T. It's why he will be so valuable, not only in any season and, and as a mentor to Carter Hart, but really in this type of season where everything's condensed, it's going to be a bit chaotic, and you really need reinforcements. And Brian Elliott was a reinforcement Taryn Hatcher, as we know, Sean Couturier is out for a minimum of two weeks. Going back to last Saturday, he has a rib injury. Uh, for the most part, the Flyers obviously struggled in that 6-1 loss, but they really came back and bounced back with a 3-0 win. 
If they can weather the storm without Couturier, uh, how big would that be? We, we do know they've given up 36 shots per game. Uh, that is fourth most entering Wednesday in the league. Are you concerned or do you think they can really get by without Couturier and then pick up when he comes back? Um, I was more concerned before last night's game because yeah. even that Penguins game, that second Penguins game was not um, a fabulous display of hockey. <laughs> say at least. Sorry, it's very cold in my house, so I have a jacket on inside. Um, for those of you listening who can't see, I'm wearing a Canada Goose jacket inside of my apartment. Um, but, yeah, I, I was really concerned because not only were they giving up shots, they also were not getting off a lot of shots. Um, and that could be an issue, especially, like, when you play an Islanders team who doesn't give up opportunities anyway. That's something that you're, you have to keep an eye on. A little less concerned after last night's game because the thing that I think people also didn't realize about the Sabres, unless you were watching them or following their storylines before just watching that game, yeah, they lost twice to the Caps, but the Sabres were kind of trending upward as they came into that series with the Flyers. They didn't play a terrible game against the Capitals in their second game against Washington. Um, and the Flyers, I, I know they beat the, the Penguins pretty handily in both games, but they, they were trending downward in terms of their style of play. And Elaine Vigneault said it, and the players said it. They said that they were playing a little sloppy. And so I think that save that lost the Sabres was a wake-up call that, that no team really is good enough to play bad hockey and win consistently in this league, especially not in the East Division. So um, I think people thought the Sabres and the Devils were going to be a lot easier teams to beat than they are. We saw the Bruins lose a game to the Devils last week as well. So this whole division is going to be really competitive. Um, but yeah, to your point about Sean Couturier, it, it will be interesting now, especially I haven't seen Jordan. You might know more than me cause I just got out of a Pilates class, but, um, anything about Morgan Frost and an update on him, but you might be down to Connor Bunneman now who is capable. Um, it certainly is reassuring when, you know, Nolan Patrick has not, stood out in a bad way in any of these games, really. I, I've not remarked on him. Like, I've never sat there and been like, ooh, Nolan. Like, that, it's his time away from the ice has showed um, he had a really good game to start the year, the season opener. And then uh, I think it's, it helps them that Kevin Hayes gets a goal last night, even though, you know, it's the empty netter at the end. Um, and they can – get Claude Giroux and put him at center if they need to, and they can bring in Connor Bunneman. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of guys that are really versatile. Scott Lawton can play a wing or a center. You can, you can toy around with some things. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think they can do it, but there's certainly concerns on, you know, this, this team can't have – gaps like they've had in some of these games because other teams will exploit them and Sean Couturier is one of those guys who really helps close those gaps it's one of those things where and I hate to even say it because it goes against everything as as you know people who really know the Flyers well or the fans that really watch the Flyers a lot when Sean, Sean Couturier scores important goals but Sean Couturier doesn't always draw your eye in a way that some other flashier centers do. But 
you realize when he's not there how much you miss him. <laughs> that's, that's the thing with Sean Couturier. When he's there, he's solid, and then he gets these timely goals or these timely assists. But they're not always like – it's not like that one Connor with David Gold in the second game of the season where he turns on wheels and you're like, that man isn't human. They're, you know, they're, they're sometimes greasy goals that Coots works for. But, what, man, when he's not there, you're, you're just like, wow, that ice looks a lot longer. This team looks a lot more stretched out. And what are we going to do? But they figured it out last night. So more of the same. Not totally figured it out, but they figured it out more. So more of the same is the idea, I guess. It could have been a lot worse than two weeks. So the Flyers will definitely take that. Um, but I had some people telling me during the 6-1 loss to the Sabres that, oh, Couturier wouldn't have done much. You know, this is a team issue. It was a team game. Uh, they were a mess all around. But Sean Couturier changes the complexion of the game with, the minutes in which he plays and the way in which he plays. Like you said, Taryn, if he's not scoring a goal or setting up a goal, just the style in which he plays, how he can um, set up possession in the offensive zone, how he's a nightmare to play against in the neutral zone and the defensive zone. Like he would have changed the way that game looked. Maybe the Flyers wouldn't have won that game. It was 6-1. I'm not saying that. But it would have been a, less, a, less, a lot less ugly, I would say. Yeah, and it's it's imagine this, okay? You know when you're doing something and it's either like for me it's if like the first night I'm going on air to do pre and post, right? And your heart's racing and you're you know you're all over the place and your blood's pumping and you can't seem to get, you know, you're trying to to settle down. Sean Couturier is the guy who when he gets out there stabilizes things and settles things down because I think what we saw in that 6-1 loss too was things got unstable for the Flyers and they just never got back on track. And if you can have a Sean Petraeus who gets out there and has one shift where you get things back on track, it, it, there's a very much a ripple effect throughout the team um, that allows – I think it's just like last night, the physicality of that game helped the Flyers a lot. You saw one guy make a big hit. You saw another guy make a big hit. All of a sudden, they're very much present and in the moment of each and every single play and it starts to feel less like this game is bigger than what we're able to handle. Sean Couturier, though, in and of himself, is a player who makes the game feel smaller, more digestible, and I think when a game gets out of hand the way Monday's game does, you need a guy who can reel that in a little bit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All month long, NBC Sports Philadelphia presents Headstrong, Men's Health and Sports Headstrong, a series about men's health told through powerful stories involving the athletes that we love. Learn more on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com slash Headstrong. Rook Desher, as... Taryn mentioned Morgan Frost injury in in Wednesday in uh, Tuesday's game. Excuse me. 
Uh, he was set to undergo an MRI on Wednesday. We're going to find out the results maybe soon, and we'll see his status. Philip Myers, also injured in Tuesday's game, also set to undergo an MRI. We will find out the results soon and see his status. But obviously, uh, Myers goes down with an injury. Frost, uh, we know about Sean Couturier. Shane Gossespierre has missed the first four games because of COVID protocol. Do you feel the Flyers have the depth to make up for these losses um, if they are gone for an extended period of time? I mean, they're certainly going to be tested. Yeah. Um, I don't doubt that if Connor Bonneman is the next man to step up. I mean, Kevin Hayes even said it. You know, it's next man up mentality. Um, Bonneman's a very physical player and I think that he's somebody who might actually work well right now with the current state of the Flyers not that listen I'm not pro hockey fighting but I do like classic hockey like I think the Flyers need to be a little more physical right now I mean after uh Nicholas Hallbay Kubel got fined Monday night they were head the Sabres were headhunting him last night and I feel like a few of the guys were getting a little frustrated on the ice but it's like we need somebody who's going to be like, stop it, stop, <laughs> because we're going to come after you. Um, and I guess that's just, that's probably just me. But I think that Bunneman, I mean, I know people. Scott Hartnell said the about same thing, Brooke. No, you're not alone in that. Scott no, Hartnell said the same okay. thing as you. So okay. keep on going with confidence okay. this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but it's, it's just, we're, they were the Broad Street bullies years ago for a reason. And I know that they have not been any sense of a bully. They're like, I almost feel like the glad commercial where it's like stinky, 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 hefty, hefty, hefty. The flyers are kind of been stinky lately. Like I want them not, not bad, but like it, like, a, like in a soft term, I guess you could say, because I want more physicality from the flyers and I think it's going to benefit them. So Morgan Frost, it's, it's unfortunate because the first few shifts on Monday night, I think he did really well. Um, and then it kind of just fell through the wayside. Like you saw a few like little glimpses of, okay, he's here, little flashes of, okay, like maybe this will get like the gears going for him. And then it kind of just fell flat. And that's, that's, you know, he hasn't had that much time with the flyers. So he's getting accustomed to it. It's the same thing. You know, you're not going to be, annoyed at Nolan Patrick because he hasn't played professional hockey in over a year. He, they're getting back on their feet. They're getting back on their skates. It's not their fault. Um, it's going to be unfortunate if Frost is out for a significant amount of time. I am way more concerned if Philip Myers is out more because the blue line, I, mm, that's going to stress me out more than if Frost is out. And yeah. <laughs> Brooke, you haven't loved the D pairs, have you? No. Oh. <laughs> I haven't. It's, I was it's expecting really, you to sugarcoat that, Brooke. It's really oh. interesting. <laughs> and I almost, I almost tweeted the other night the one play where Robert Haig actually played well. And I was going to compliment him. And then I was like, no, because people are going to roast me if I compliment him on the podcast. And then, you know, he decided to ice a perfectly playable puck. And then I was like, no, it's, it's, I'm throwing it away. Um, so it's like, you can't just sit here and have to rely on Ivan Provorov and Travis Sanheim. And Sanheim, for the most part, aside from last night, has 
not been up to par with how you expected him, like right out of the jump of the season. Yes, Myers and Sanheim are really great together, and they ha- they've built up a really strong chemistry with one another on the same pair, but I don't think that he's at his, you know, he's not like Provorov level ready start of the season kind of thing. Um, though I do want to commend him because as soon as Myers didn't return in the second period, I think Sanheim really stepped up his game. But you can't just sit here and rely on Pro Robin Sandheim and then just hope for the best. Um, and right now it seems like there's two, you know? Yeah. And it's. Karen, is this a little bit of a, a, a glimpse into life without Matt Niskanen? Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, Matt Niskanen's another guy who the other night when the game's getting out of control, you go, if Matt Niskanen's here, I don't know that the Flyers win this game, but I think they look a lot better in this game. because he's just like responsibility flew out the window in that game. It was a very irresponsible game in terms of decision-making and positioning and responsibilities. It was just not there. And obviously that was Matt Niskanen's bread and butter, but yeah, I mean, I had, we talked about this on the podcast where the season started, The, the D pairs were always scary to me because you know, and I talked to Mike Yo about it before the first game of the season, and, and he said, ideally, you have what, you, what we had last year. You have set roles for guys. You have a top pair, and then having a Sandheim and a Myers, two giant bodies who skate really well as your second D pair is huge. And then you have, like, a Hague and a Braun, and they're stay-at-home guys who, you know, are just going to do what you need them to get done while they're out there, and then two minutes later, throw Ivan Provorov and Matt Niskanen out there, and, and it's a completely different-looking game, and it, it was a really ideal circumstance. That's That life feels like a long time ago. That's not what's happening now, obviously. Um, you know, the thought is Justin Braun is a stay-at-home guy. It'll allow Ivan to get more offensive. Then I personally have concerns about the 2018-2019 season where Ivan was – kind of took a step back from trying to do everything for everyone all the time mm-hmm. because, I mean, quite frankly, you can. He's, he's blatantly said before, if I could play a 60-minute game and play every minute of the game, I would. I'd love to try. Like, that's Ivan. He'll, he'll do that, but it sometimes to his own detriment. Um, and they want to keep Myers and Sandheim together because they liked that pairing last year. And they're like, if we can have some stability up and down the D pairs, why, why not? Yeah. Now you have to sit there and think like, okay, well for the, for the sake of all of the defensive pairings, is that going to work now? Is it, would it make sense to put Sandheim up on, on a pair with Ivan or Phil, if he's healthy, if Phil's not healthy and then, as Mark Friedman's next man up and he looked, he looked good last year. Like when he played, I thought Mm -hmm. Mark did his job exactly as he should. Um, But it's just all over the place. Like it's just all over the place. And the thought process of having Gustafson in on offensive draws with Ivan. And then when they're on D draws, putting Braun, it's, it's a lot of moving parts. And I think this coaching staff is maybe the only coaching staff that could pull it off in the league because of who Elaine Vigneault is, but that still doesn't mean it's going to be easy or 
efficient at first. The other thing to say on the Sandheim thing, and then I'll be done because I'm talking a lot, um, <laughs> is if we remember back to last year as well, Sandheim, who is, I mean, his skating is phenomenal. It's one of the best parts of his game. He's, he's probably the best skater, one of the best skaters on the team. To say he's the best is big. Um, but even last year to start the year, does anybody remember Sandheim was like toe picking and falling over all the time in bad situations? Like, it, like three it, straight games, yeah. Yeah, it kind of seems like sometimes early, like he, he settles back in and then he gets confident and then he's, uh, he's yeah. really good. Um, but I remember last year, like interviewing him in the dressing room one time early in the season and he wasn't defeated, but you could tell he was down. And it's, you know, I, I expect Sandheim as he settles in will only get better and better and better. But this is like, it's so weird. Monday's game looked like, an exhibition game that a coach yells at you after and probably is what it felt like to most of these guys as well, because there are no exhibition games. And that really does matter. I know they don't play a ton in them, but they had very limited training camp and then we're right in it. And I think Mm -hmm. some of those games are still going to happen, but winning last night very much makes Monday feel like a bump in the road and not like, Oh my gosh, the flyers have massive problems that they're, they desperately need to address it. I can exhale a little bit now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you also have to look at it as if, if you were to look on Twitter, you would think that this team was a dumpster fire, but they they left their first four games with six points. Yeah. And it's like things could be far, far worse. Well, and it's, and and it's, it's funny because it's like he's got to blow up all the lines. He's got to blow up all the D pairs. Danny tweeted – he was doing the warm-up yesterday. He's asked about concern after Carter – you know, after a rough outing for Carter. Somebody was like, are you trying to start a goalie controversy? Like everyone's very on edge, I think, because everyone has such high hopes for this team. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not been easy as a Flyers fan in recent memory to have high hopes for your team. So it seems like everyone's a little bit more sensitive to times when they struggle. But even when the Patriots were winning Super Bowl year after year after year, they would, like, lose a random game to a Miami Dolphins team that sucks. So, like, this happens in sports. <laughs> It'll be okay. Yeah. And, you, again, it's like – sorry, Jordan. No, you're good. Um, right? If, like – if. They're taking away three out of four games at their worst. Just imagine what they're going to be like at their best. So it's like, especially playing into the fact that they didn't have a preseason. They only had the intra-squad scrimmage. They went from training camp, like Taryn said, right into really the first game of the season. If this is the product that they're putting out now and they're still finding ways to win, right now that's all that matters. Because as soon as things start clicking and falling into place – then it's going to be, okay, we can sit back, little sigh of relief, things are connecting. Um, the way that they're, they've played, if they're going to trend in the right direction now after last night's win, then I feel like I, I'll be a little more content, especially with the back-to-back against uh, the Bruins upcoming. Um, but it's, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot, not at stake, but it's like, you know, you're kind of sitting on edge right now. What's going to happen next? Um, but I think we're trending in the right direction for sure. Yes, these are some of the biggest expectations probably in 10 years for the Flyers. So like you both were saying, um, when you see a 6-1 loss, uh, yeah, fans are going to be, fans are gonna be uh, you know, a little loss uh, for words and they, uh, they'll be upset. 
Um, and, and I think for me, the one thing that we've noticed since last January, so it's been a year now of this, whenever the Flyers have a clunker, and you're going to have a clunker from time to time, they, they consistently get right back up on the horse and, and, and return to form. And that's a real positive. And for me, with the defensemen, it's real simple. Like, I feel like a microscope is on the D pairs when they're forced to play a lot of defense, when, they're t- when their backs are being turned and they have to play the puck on the back wall, those high-pressure plays – when they're constantly in coverage, you put a microscope on defensemen. When they're on the rush and joining the play and pinning the opposition back and providing offense, they're playing less defense and everything looks good. So I would love to see the Flyers defensemen provide a little more offense, really be that second wave of offense like they were last year. Last season, uh, only one team provided more goals uh, from the defenseman position. That was the Blues. The Flyers had 44 goals from defensemen. The Blues had 45. Um, Flyers have one goal so far from a defenseman through four games. I would love to see more offense from the back end, and then they'll be playing less defense, and fans, I don't think, will be noticing as much. So I I think we'll see that eventually. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Fire's Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. Whenever our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. So the Flyers are headed to Boston. They will play a two-game set in Boston, their first road trip of the season, and they will play those Big Bad Bruins. Um, Brooke, we've talked a little bit about concerns here uh, for this team, but like we said, a lot, a lot of positives. But if there's one concern for you that maybe sticks out a little bit more than the rest going into Boston for this first road trip, what would it be for you? Well, while we've been recording the podcast, um, it looks like the Flyers just sent out a little press release that they've moved uh, defenseman Derek Pouliot from the Phantoms to the taxi squad. There we go. So that raises a lot of concern for Phil Myers and how long he may be out. Um, It may be a safety protocol. It may be a few games, but I mean – Already being down, Sean Gatorier, you don't know how long Frost is going to be out. I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to play the injury card, you know, next man up mentalities, obviously, um, what you have to do. You're not just going to sit there and whine and be like, okay, well, you know, that's not fair. We're down this, this, and this kind, this player. Um, but it seems like we may be without Myers for at least the series against Boston. And just on top of that, it's maybe – shifting environments for the first time this season. The Flyers, for the first time, and I don't know how long, played their first four games at home. 
and I think maybe the level of stabilization was great for them to kick off the season, but now it's throwing like, hey, go travel. And some guys may like it. Some people like playing on the road. It's not going to be that difficult, obviously, because you're not going to be playing in front of Boston fans. Um, but it's the change of environment, being down players. It's It's kind of a lot of basic things, but when they're small fundamental pieces starting to add up, then it raises that level of concern. Um, plus, I'm really – I'm sitting here and hoping for the vets to kind of step up. And I don't think, again, it's, you know, I want to sit here and call them out. It's, it's not time for that. It's way too early in the season. But um, your, your top guy is out. You're going to need more people to step up. You have Konechny stepping up. That First of all, that Limblom patrick Konechny line – is really freaking fun. That's one line that I do not want touched until they're struggling. Right now they're buzzing. They're probably the most entertaining line. Although that fourth line is pretty exciting too. Um, that fourth just, line is very good. That, yes. that fourth line that has fourth been – That fourth line is really like another third line and that's They look nice. like their most skilled line at times too, which is like – when Scott Lawton and Michael Roffel and Nico Bay-Cubell are putting together the prettiest sequences on your team, if everybody else is playing great, that's dope. When other people aren't, you're like, what is going on? Because <laughs> that one goal that Michael Roffel had against Pittsburgh, other than oh, Travis Kekney's goal that Oscars, Oscars pass off the boards last night, I think that Michael Roffel goal was the prettiest goal the Flyers have so far. But go ahead. For I'm sure. sorry I cut you off. No, no, you're good. It's just, it's one of those things. Like, I would really like um, Drew to step up. I, I know JVR had a few really good chances the last two nights, but it's like that, like, you need him to start connecting. And again, it's too early in the season. I don't want anybody to attack me because I'll, I'll go to bat for these guys any day. Um, but it would be nice to see now since we're kind of getting into the groove of the season. Yeah, any line that's kind of caught your eye that uh, you're saying don't break that up. Obviously, they had to shuffle it up a good bit um, in, in Tuesday's win, but I have a feeling that that line of Konechny, Limbaugh, and Patrick won't be changing for, for the Boston set. Yeah, I really like Konechny, Limbaugh, and Patrick. I really like um, – we talked about it on last, name's post game, last night's postgame show. Um, that, that pass from Oscar to lead Travis like that – um, is, is exactly the kind of play that made everyone say this kid has an outstanding hockey IQ um, mm -hmm. to begin with, which when he was really kind of blossoming and, and starting to stand out for the Flyers at the start of last year, that, uh, that hockey IQ was on full display. Those were the types of things that he could do that you just sat there and had to, you know, clap for. Um, I, I, other than that, the, the fourth line, I love that Scott Lawton, Michael Roffel, Nico Bay-Cubell. The thing is, is that they are guys who can grind down other players. They are physical. They, they're giving you what you want out of a fourth line. They're also um, scary in a good way. You know, you don't sit there and you're like <gasps> holding your breath because the fourth line's out there and hoping that there's not going to be an issue. Um, and at times that hasn't always been the case, not for those specific players, but for the team. Uh, there was obviously last year, there was like musical chairs who was going to be the 4C for the Flyers at times for months at a time last season. And 
when you have like Scott Lawton could be a top six player. Scott Lawton could play on a line in the top six with any other line on this team and he would add positives to it. Like even that, I mean, if you put Oscar, Oscar, if you put Scott on a line with Oscar and Travis, the line would look good because Scott's a good player and he sees the ice really well. So to have him up against, you know, another team's fourth line at times, and it's him and it's Michael Roffle, who everyone said they, that, that I talked to in the offseason said Michael Roffle's going to come into this season and he's going to be ripped. Like he said, he's just going to take the offseason, get shredded, come back in super good shape. That seems to be the case. Um, and Nico Bay-Cubell has really kind of blossomed into a, a, solid, a solid guy. Um, I, I like that fourth line together. I just want to see Claude Drew get a goal. Like, I really I just want to see Claude Drew get a goal. It's not the question you asked, but it's, it's, the, it's the one thing where last night I'm like, okay, Jake gets his goal. We need mm-hmm. you to get a goal now. Because I think once those floodgates open, we're looking at a different team. You know, you're seeing um, Kevin Hayes gets the empty, empty netter, but for Kevin, that's a good – like, that's a good thing. It's something that matters. You look at the score sheet, that matters – it matters. And, um, you know, you, you, TK's obviously running hot right now. Um, I just, I, I, I want to see how things are moved around in order to get Claude going because I feel like he wants it too. Like, I, I feel like he's, he came into this year hungry and we can say it a million times. And until people put up goals and assists, it's, you know, it seems like it's worthless to say, but um, I just want to see Claude like rip off a crazy point streak. And I think, um, I think it could happen. It's just, it'll be interesting to see what that line around him looks like, you know, him and a Kevin Hayes. And did they have Joel on that line at one point last night with Hayes and Drew, or was that just a line change that Joel got stuck out on the ice for? I believe Joel was with, um, was he with Voracek and man, they shuffled it up so much less than I, I know. I know at one point I, I, at one point I looked up, I was taking notes for intermission live and I look up and I'm like, that's, that's an eight. That's an eight, six on that Jersey, which is Joel Faraby. Like what? It, it was because Frost was with JVR and Drew. We know the third, li- that other line. So that w- it definitely was Faraby, Voracek and Hayes. Yeah. I would, I mean, I feel like Hayes and Joel, I've really liked at times. I think that, that Joel has set up Kevin in a way that works for the two of them really well. Yeah. Part of me like, kind of wants to see what G looks like on that line. I, yeah. I don't know if it would work. Um, uh, Elaine Vino does not care about what I have to say. But I'd be so curious just to check it out. I don't know. Who knows? I, they're going to have to make a ton of moves here. So, yeah. I don't know, Jordan, what do you think? Well, moves are probably coming. Moves are probably coming. But I guess we'll just say, we don't know the extent of these injuries. But for me, all the juggling with the forward lines, every time they put a line together, they're so deep that I, I'm, I'm typically like, you know what? I could see it. Like, I kind of like that combination. And I kind of like that combination. Like, they're, they're that deep um, that um, I, I like all the combinations. I, I can see it working. And I think we have said how much the Flyers like that fourth line. That's the one thing that has stuck. They have not juggled that at all because that fourth line has been so good, so effective, 
in uh, what they want to do. So that's a positive. Who gets G going, though? Who gets Claude Drew going? I, I, I hope they kind of get him back with Hayes. I thought he was pretty good with Hayes. Um, but Thank when you. They when yeah. <laughs> I will say Thank this. you, sir. And Hayes plays well with Joel Farabee. I don't yeah. know if it'll work. I don't know. But I just know. It could be fun. The two work together yeah. and the other work together. Young bees are in the cut with the captain and, and Hollywood Hayes. Yeah, they were really good in the intra-squad scrimmage. As we remember, they were good in the opener. I will say this. I think when Sean Couturier gets back, I wouldn't hate it if they put him back with G because those two just always get the best out of each other. Couturier had his breakout season with Drew on, on his wing. Uh, Claude Drew had his resurgent 102-point season when he moved to wing and had Couturier center his line. I just think they're really good together. I can see Couturier being kind of the spark. Let's be real. He's always a spark for so many guys. But, Taryn, I wanted to ask you this. Side topic, and I think Brooke and I are really anxious to know, and I know oh, listeners yes. are anxious to know, how Ooh. fun has it been with Scott Hartnell? Oh, yes. 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 I'm so excited to hear about this. Give it's us a so fun. It's been like with Scott Hartnell so far. on pre- It's Pokemon. so fun. I wish he would say – some of the stuff he says in the newsroom, I wish he would say on air. I was just going to say, he has to have some stories. Oh, he's got some gems. And, like, every time Jake does something, because obviously they're, like – you know, they play together and stuff. It's like, come on, Jakey. Or, you know, and it's just – it's funny. And, um, no, it's, it's really fun. Uh, it's so weird. We had like a, like a 15 minute rehearsal because of marketing stuff. We had to like do a bunch of stuff for marketing the day we were supposed to have a rehearsal. So we didn't get a ton of time to rehearse together, but he's, you know, he's just as easygoing and cool in person as you'd imagine he is. And of course he's got stories out the wazoo and a lot of great insight into, um, you know, not just what's going on in the league now, but also, going on in front offices around the league right now which is cool um because there's actually a lot to that and it actually does have more impact than people realize on um the team and individual players at times uh but yeah it's fun it's fun to get the old war stories of you know I Scott was with the Flyers from the time I was like, I mean, pretty much all throughout high school. Like, Scott, like, the prime hockey-watching age for me. Yeah. Scott was a player. So, it's very surreal to be sitting there chatting with him about what's what's going on. But, um, yeah, especially even that game that the Flyers did not play well, it's, um, it's interesting to pick his brain about, you know, they – for those of you who don't know, when the game ends – the PR team sets a timer for five minutes. All of us writers and reporters have to stand outside of the dressing room. The dressing room doors are shut and locked and they chat about whatever they chat about in there or whatever. And we don't always know what it is. Sometimes when it runs long, you're like, what is going on? Uh, That's when they used to award the player, the game helmet, all that stuff. Um, So it's fun because we don't always get insight into those moments or, we get a very watered down version of it, but now it's have like a person in the newsroom where I could just say, all right, if you're Claude Giroux and you just lost this game six, one, what are you saying in that dressing room right now? And he was like, you don't want to be in that dressing room right now, you know, <laughs> something like that. And it's, it's very, interesting. it's really fun. That dynamic is so cool. Not only is Scott Hardnell just an excellent uh, analyst. We all know how good, how, like how much, he knows about the game given that he had to be that guy in front of the net and just put the extra work in. He, he knows the game well, but the dynamic he has having been teammates with some of these guys is so cool. 
So, Taryn, we're jealous that you get to spend time with him uh, off the set, too. We can only imagine the stories. They must be fun. Uh, fans, catch Taryn and Scott Hartnell out on pre- and post-game live every game. Uh, it's been a treat to follow so far. So, we will enjoy it the rest of the way. Well, Brooke Desher, thank you so much. As always, fun chatting with you. The Flyers are 3-1-0, so you are all smiles. I know that. Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much as well. We cannot wait to watch you more on pre- and post-game live. And a special 6 thank- p.m. tomorrow. 6 p.m. tomorrow, Taryn Hatcher said it, Eastern time, right there. And Ben Berry, a special thank you, uh, our podcast producer. Thank you as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening. This is the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.